0: Love,
1: talk Radio Live from Washington DC It's Quintessential Listening Poetry Online Radio Now here's your host Dr. Michael Anthony Ingram I am Michael Anthony Ingram, and tonight my very special guest is Selene Charles. Selene, are you with me?
0: I am. I am here with you.
1: Great, great, great. Let's begin this journey, okay? Sure. All right, all right, all right. Poetry is the topic tonight. Why is poetry important? No, first of all, I should ask, what is poetry? What is poetry? <laughs> um,
0: poetry to me, um, I will tell you the same thing I tell my students. I'm a teacher also, and I always tell my students that poetry is freedom of thoughts. It's freedom of words. Mm-hmm. And kind of like a secret language almost with the world around you. And you, if you can find a way to put your words and your thoughts on a page in your own way, whatever way that is, then that's
1: poetry. Just those, that oh, freedom that's of thought. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Freedom of thought. Now you you made the statement as it's a secret language. What's entailed in that secret language? Well, for me, uh,
2: I
0: I guess it's the way I observe the world around me. Um, I notice things, and okay. I notice maybe a color. I might notice um, a person or a building, or the weather, you know, a tree. It can be really simple. I notice the things around me, and sometimes I'm just struck with words will come to mind, or just a feeling that that I get in that moment. Um, uh, For example, I've seen a dandelion grow in the Mm -hmm. middle of a cracked sidewalk. You know, that's an example. When I see something like that, it's kind of like the world's telling me something and I just have to figure out what it is. And so when I'm inspired like that, usually I usually take a picture. I take a million pictures (laughs) and um, I usually I keep those on my phone and I go back to them again and again. And I can usually get, if I can get a poem out about whatever that moment or that image represented for me, then I feel like I've, you know, that, that I'm speaking this language with, you know, with that, with nature. You know, I'm speaking this kind of secret language that the world opened up to me and I got to figure it out. So it's kind of special that way.
1: Wow, very nice. It's beautiful, very powerful. The statement, the world is telling you something. Wow, yeah. I like that a lot. I like that Ooh. a lot. Please, sh- please share a poem for us.
0: Okay, um, I think what I'd like to do is I do have a book, Colors Collected, that's out, came out last year, and I want to share the first poem. I was trying to decide what poem to start with, and I decided that I wanted to start with this poem. It's um the first poem in my book, and uh it's called co- the book called Colors Collected. I am very inspired by color. And it's but of all the poems I've written about color, this is the only one that has the name that's the color of the color. <laughs> And um, <clears throat> I like it because it's, it's short, it's sweet, it represents um, my, the imagery that I like, the contrast that I like, and it also tells a story about, for me, how I started writing poetry, um, basically in the backseat of my parents' car when we used to travel. We used to take a lot of road trips, and we would travel to the East Coast almost every other summer, and just being that backseat, we would always take um, scenic routes always state parks, or uh, my parents love to find the prettiest way to get there, not the fastest way, but the prettiest way, (laughs) and so um, that's where I got my love for color, and so this poem just kind of I think, the start of my color travels, so it's called Green. (laughs) Green. Colors come alive, my father drives along curves and bends on old forgotten roads. Trees push past with urgency stitch their hues together almost one almost hemlock almost pine douglas cedar root. chroma blurs swelling as one flame alive and pulsing like fire crackles behind wooded pyres flames lick the sky scarlet red its heat pulls to embrace to be something more in my soul than just itself there is no other name for green. Thank you.
1: Phew, that was nice. <laughs> Make you, Selene. Oh, the color green. Wow, wow. Here's a question.
0: Yeah.
1: What are some of the predominant themes of your work?
0: A lot of color. <laughs> um, okay, okay. I, I, I'm just, I'm really moved by color, which is really funny because I, I, I wear a lot of neutral colors. <laughs> I don't wear a lot of color, but I love to notice color in nature. And so I would say nature, color, seasons, um, birds. I have this bird fetish. I write a lot of poems with birds. Um, I guess. Nature, I'm a I, nature's my muse, and I notice the color in nature,
1: so I guess that's
0: <laughs> a lot of what I write about.
1: Share another poem, please. Okay, um, let's see here.
0: I have let me look at my little list here. Let me sign in here. Um, uh, funny that we talked about color. I'm gonna read this poem, it's called Shadows, and it's kind of like um, the opposite of color, the absence of color. <laughs> And it's called Shadows. Shadows are surprisingly full of colors, remarkable. Tawny velvet rabbits blend behind the reeds, and golden ants so small reflect the sun beneath, protection in the soil, similar in shade to the little brown bat awaiting dusk, the lightest of shadow shades. Rich and sable, shadows are the accent of the natural world, in between the yin to the yang, the black to the white, always concealing clandestine secrets and treasures mislaid, the unfound wishing to stay small in a vast, bright world. Thank you.
1: <laughs> you shared that you traveled with your family mm-hmm. to the East Coast. Yeah. What was, can, can you pinpoint an early experience where you learned that? Poetic language had power?
0: Wow. Um, you know, I didn't really, I, I don't remember writing poetry as a little girl, you know, when I was really young. Um, I just remember ha- having it play in my mind. Everything was kind of in my mind. So I just had all of these stories kind of unfolding behind the scenes. So uh, we would be traveling and I would. Um, or we'd stop, you know, we'd visit and stuff, and we would see, if I see trees, I always, you know, I'd always look in the in the forest as we drove through, and I would see um, big trees or big trunks or a cliff that we would drive by or some, you know, some kind of a landmark thing, and I would think, there's stories in there. There's so many stories in there. I wonder what the stories are, and so I just had a, had a lot of wondering, um, and so I really didn't start writing until high school. And those were ridiculously embarrassing, horrible, terrible poems. All right. <laughs> that I would never show anyone. Um, okay. <laughs> do I have any to share with you? No, I do not have <laughs> any to <share> those. <laughs> but um, for me, I think my earliest experience is just noticing and observing and keeping those stories and always reminding myself to look. I knew that one day I'd find a way to find you know, that translation, to find a way to have that language unfold. And so it just took me a long time. Of I, I do think it's the traveling. I think it was really all those, all those car rides that I actually hated at the time because I got car sick. Mm. <laughs> but looking at the view took it off, you know, took my mind off of it. So.
1: All right. You know, speaking of traveling and living in different places, poets hail from all over the world. Where do you hail from?
0: You know, I was born in Florida, actually, but my father was in the Air Force, so we traveled around a bit. I was quite young, so I don't, you know, I was really young when we traveled the most, uh, but I lived in the Azores for a year, a year and a half or so, I think. Um, I lived in Texas, um, and then we finally, we moved to Washington when I was quite young. So I've grown up in Washington State uh, pretty much since I was five.
1: Very nice. Let's take a brief break and we'll be right back.
0: All right. Sounds great. Thank you. It again, writing. I think I mentioned that I wrote in high school, and then yeah. I didn't write for a long time. And um, as I said, I'm a teacher, and I one of my teachers, one well, of my teachers, one of my students' fathers is a poet. His name is Kenneth Wagner, and um, he volunteered in my classroom and gave lots of um, basically taught my students poetry and kind of revived it in me along the way. And he came to my class for oh my gosh five, seven years after that, even though his daughter was out of my classroom, he still came back. And so he's been wonderful. I call him my poetry guru. And um, this is the poem that uh, he, I just was inspired by him and what he had been kind of rekindling in me. And this was the first poem that I wrote that made me realize that I was back, that I that I hey. had to write. And so this was the first one that kind of put me back in that direction. And it's called These Daffodils. And it's also in my book about colors. These Daffodils. It's been done before, plenty of times, poets writing verse about daffodils, but not these daffodils, not from this place where they lay hidden beneath the pine. Suspended, almost an afterthought, or accidental at most, their perfect viewpoint disguised I almost didn't see them, had man not breached the spot, spill, encroach, and invade. And moments pass, keeping confident yellow secrets from constantly seeking unsatisfied eyes. Resting on a whisper, hopeful in God's sun, warmth shading every effort of undetection. Spring tempts me now, my vision stretched, falling farther out my window to see, Four secret daffodils standing unsuspectingly under the pine. Thank you.
1: Very nice. Very, very nice. We have a caller. Oh, thank you. <laughs> okay. Let me bring this person in. Let's see. Okay. Good evening. Area code 316. The first three numbers are 210. You're on the air. How are you tonight?
2: Hi, Michael.
1: Hello. Hi, Michael.
2: This is... This is Linda Imbler.
1: <laughs>
2: <laughs>
1: I think I'm, I think I may know you. <laughs> <laughs> Hi, Linda. Hi, Soleine. Hi. Hi,
2: Hi. Oh, you call
1: in. Do you have Do you have a question for Selene?
2: I have I have a request for Selene. I was wondering okay. and, and I'm coming in. I didn't I haven't listened to the show so far I'll be honest about it. Um but I was wondering if she would read two poems. Oh, okay. From uh from your book, your class okay. book. Uh would you read the violas gave you away? Okay. You already read that one tonight. No. Uh, okay, and if would you read I Live in the Rain
0: oh, I would love to I love it. I love <laughs> that you chose those those are really special poems for me
2: <laughs> Linda that, well, thank they're, you they're really cool you are welcome oh. this, oh, oh, yeah. this is, this All is right. a good part Okay. oh
0: fabulous right. fellow writer Linda I have um, two of her books <laughs> or maybe three right. Okay. Linda this is for you it's called The Violas Give You Away and it's about my grandma <laughs> Okay. The viola. Yeah, it's about my grandma Okay, the violas give you away It doesn't matter where you are They flutter their violet greetings And smack my lips in lemony kisses Self-conscious I peer behind my shoulder Eyes shifting side to side In case you've really come this time It's okay when I don't see you Because you tickle my back With your long fingernails Circle, circle, scratch Circle, circle The breeze picks up the petals now. Little lions yawn in lazy summer. I yawn, too, wishing I could awaken all those years back with you. Iced tea on the front porch, blue like the sky. Painting horizons big enough to fall into, roll around and pitch white fluffy tents. Rooster crows to say goodnight, indifferent with the time of day. Violas spill out of horse troughs just in time for salutations unforgotten.
2: Thank you. Oh, oh, oh that's Michael, amazing. isn't that beautiful? That, oh. beautiful, that beautiful work. Oh.
1: That is beautiful work. Yes, it is.
0: Thank you. Oh. And then I You're do welcome. have, I live in the rain. So I live in the rain. This is so funny. I wrote this. <laughs> Let me find it. Page 37. I wrote this when it was, I live in Seattle, so as you know, it rains a lot here, and
3: Mm-hmm.
0: Oh, it had just been, a, it had been weeks and weeks of rain, and the sun had finally come out. And, it, I mean, here in Seattle, when that happens, we just rejoice. It is like you can go in any store, <laughs> and everyone is smiling.
3: They're happy. <laughs> <laughs>
0: so, anyway, here's my poem about that. <clears throat> well, we, we like the rain because it makes it pretty, so that's how this starts out. <laughs>
2: so,
0: I live in the rain. I live in the rain, weeks and months of gray in my veins, silver at the start, and then reflecting the rich glow of green, juniper, and fir. My gowns swell with waterfalls dropping from ivory punch bowls, celebration brims, vibrancy dances atop rolling emerald hills. Alas, too many days overcast my glow hope drips drops down swollen bones noisy ladder on concrete saturated colors drain to thunder and gloom heavy hearts hide beneath wet soil patience tossed in the wind until that one sing song morning glorious golden rays of spring casts her net and now I live in the sun blood rushing scarlet through my veins thank you isn't that well,
2: yeah? Isn't that cool? I and mean, that is so cool. Just just the way yes. she puts words like saturate and
3: yeah, uh, you know the yeah.
2: heaviness of it. I mean, you can you can just feel the heaviness of the rain and the just the Aww. the heaviness of her heart as you know this rain oh, progresses and progresses and then all of a sudden ta-da! Oh, that's <laughs> thank a great you.
0: one. Linda, thank you. That was really that that means a lot. And it's
2: probably because I was really living that moment. <laughs> Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, I mm-hmm. I am honored that you bothered to read those for me. Thank you so much, Michael. Thank you for having yeah. me on. I appreciate Thank you, it. All right. Right. Thank, you, yes. Thank you, Linda Embler. She's <laughs>
0: got good books to Check Amazon, Linda
2: Embler. Thank you, Linda. Yes, Linda Embler. All right. Take Thank care, you, both of you. Okay. Thanks. Bye-bye. All right. Wow, all right, was cool. that was very nice. Mm-hmm. That
1: really, really was. You know, when you think about your poetry, all poets have several words that come up over and over again, words or sentences that they just can't help but use in their work. What are three of your absolute favorite words to use?
0: Oh, my gosh. I, you know, I notice it when I go through my work sometimes. I love, I love words like drip, drop, um, I And I, I write a lot about rain, so that's in there a lot. Um, I'm trying to think of some other ones. I write about the seasons. Um, I love the idea of tugging at the seasons. So tugging or like, um, now I can't think of anything. Now my mind's playing blank, but if I were to read three poems right now, I
2: bet you would hear repeat words.
0: <laughs> um,
2: <laughs>
0: we'll probably come across them tonight.
2: <laughs> All right.
1: <laughs> now, are there... Favorite writers that you feel influenced your work?
0: Um, you know, I love I love
1: a lot of poetry,
0: and I love a lot of genres. I love a lot of styles. So, I guess what got me when I am early on when I first think whenever people ask me my favorite poet, I always say Langston Hughes because I love his rhythm and I love his. There's a freedom in what he writes. And um, I use him a lot in my with my students, so I love Langston Hughes. Um, but as I as I'm writing more now uh, with nature, uh, I really, you know, the Mary I'm a Mary Oliver fan uh, because just the way she observes nature and makes it almost every day, just every day, and I love that kind of idea. Again, it's that language of just right now, which is you know, kind of what Langston Hughes was writing at his time, too. It was all about what was happening right then, and the moments, like him having, you know, you know, eating at a table, and, um, or, you know, uh, Mary Oliver taking a walk. I just love it. So, um, those are favorites, and then I also, I, I love my, like Linda Imbler, my, my writing community. I, as soon as I've opened myself up, and I've Join groups, and I've um, I have some wonderful writing community groups. I think I mentioned to you earlier Yvonne Brewer, and you know uh, Anne Christine Tobaca, and Tamara Miles, and Pamela hobart Carter. I mean, these are these are people who um, are right there. And I I don't want to not name someone, but but if you go to my Facebook and you see the people that I interact with, they are amazing writers. Um, They're just amazing writers. Justin Hamm, I was uh, fortunate enough to uh, do a reading with him and and, and actually uh, watch a few few of his readings. And he's an amazing poet. I am just so inspired by the writers around me. Um, They just really... They move me in a lot of ways, so I really try to balance with my new writers of today, along with those greats from the past.
1: you know writers and poets write for a myriad of reasons, some write primarily to speak a message to their audience, others write because to stay silent is not an option. Why do you mm-hmm. write select?
0: You know, I think it goes back to that all those years as a young as a young girl and as a young woman and just keeping kind you know, just soaking everything in. It's like I was I was just observing and taking everything in and writing for me now, it's it's almost as if I can't help it. I can't help myself. It's pouring out. And I write poetry and I also write fiction. Uh I have a fiction book debuting next year. It's coming out through the Wild Rose Press. And so I'm writing fiction and I, I it's like um <clears throat> It's like it's been held inside me all this time, growing and um, uh, cocooning, I guess you will, and blooming and transforming. And now it's ready to come out. So for me, I write because I have to, <laughs> because it's because it's spilling out of my seams, and so I just have to.
1: Very nice. Please share another poem for us, please.
0: Okay. Um, This is kind of a fun poem. Sometimes um, sometimes I write because an image captures me or because I'm I'm just so inspired. And then sometimes I love challenges. I love challenges. In my writer community, we challenge each other all the time with different kinds of challenges, Um, maybe a picture or a few words or a form of a poem, like poem. Poetry forms, but um, when I was working on my color poems, uh, my daughter found an article that was so interesting about the color blue, and blue was not introduced in our language. Uh, It was like the last color to come along. We didn't have a name for it, and so I, it, this article just blew my mind. I do a lot of research if I'm going to write a poem. Even if it's about, I did research about foxglove because I found a beautiful picture of some foxglove and I, I wrote a poem about it. And so I always research to see if there's any like, you know, any uh, legends or or folktale about it. But I love to find out a little back information, and if I can weave that into my poem, I love to do that. And so that this is an example of that kind of a poem. So this is called um, No Blue to Drown In, and it was inspired by just learning that. Oh my gosh, we didn't have the word blue for a long time so here it goes no blue to drown in <clears throat> is the blue Oh, sorry <laughs> is the blue sky always blue do the himba notice it as anything other than light there is no name for blue in their language so there is no blue sky although the sky is always there blue wasn't founded in our historical language the word did not exist then is it really there and if so, could the feelings connected with blue be equally unnatural? I wish, if it were possible, sadness could be an illusion, something we only feel because we've been given the word, a name to identify it as separate, though so if it didn't exist, would salty tears just roll along chins, like the sun warms faces and grass smells of long summer afternoons? Without the color blue, Homer described the ocean as wine dark. Could depression, deep and red, simply float away because its blue wasn't there to drown in? Thank you.
1: Amazing. Mm-hmm. Simply amazing. You. Simply you. amazing. There's another caller, and <gasps> I'm going to bring this person in. All right. Area okay. code. 425, the first three numbers are 890. You're on the air.
3: Hi. Hello. Um, Hello. Can you hear me? Hi. Yes, Hello. great. Right. Hi. I wanted to ask Elaine two different questions, but they both relate to the um, – you guys were talking just before this poem about how she just can't help but write and how it just pours out of her. Um, so I had two questions. First of all, you brought up a nonfiction book, and I was just wondering – if that's already out, can I get it? Or is that in the works?
0: Oh, yeah. Thank you for asking. Yeah. It's a fan. It's a young adult fantasy fiction book. It's called scene keepers and it is out next, uh, next uh, late spring, early summer. Yeah. And it's got, you know, I carry over my um, kind of poetic prose into my fiction as well. So um, I'm often told that I'm a poetic writer. So Sometimes that's a good thing. Sometimes that's a bad thing. <laughs> but um, <laughs> tone it down for the fiction audience, and we'll see if it works next year.
3: <laughs> Thanks for asking that. Yeah, I'm excited. And then my second – sorry? I'm sorry, I just had to cough. <laughs> oh, you're right. My second question is, um, uh, is the poetry, you just seem to – there just seems – how you described it makes it seem like you just – Right, all the time are there more poetry books that you've been working on or are available i know you mentioned colors was on amazon are there others um i
0: i have colors is my one that's out to buy um colors collected i do have an online um poetry it's an online poetry series that is showcased on shanilo.com um that's Shanilo, C H A N N I L L O. And Shanilo.com is actually a subscribing um site. They host uh, all kinds of authors and all kinds of genres. And this is actually um it's interesting you ask that my my um my book Colors Collected um has taken I have half of the poems that are on that online series. <clears throat> are in this book along with more that I wrote special for the book um, because I had so many requests to put that series in their hands And but the series is an online thing. It is a subscription but um, Uh, And I'm so happy to be able to make a plug for this. Um, It's a subscription. It's $4.99 a month. And you get not just me and my poems, but you get every author in all genres. And um, all my earnings from Shanylo.com go to – I go through the Shanilo Charities. And I donate all my earnings, 100% of my earnings, to um, Mary's Place, which is – it's an organization here in the Seattle area, but I think they've kind of gotten bigger, um, and it goes to uh, families and children that are facing homelessness. So um, that's what that is. I'm also working on um, a new poetry book that I'm working on this, on the side. Is a, um, I'm kind of dabbling in writing some uh, narrative poetry. Um, I've done a few narrative poems. Um, I like that kind of feel. And I don't know if it's my age, you know, getting older. <laughs> I'm starting to reminisce a lot, and I don't think my my life is exciting enough to write a memoir. But I do feel compelled to um, write a memoir, sort of poetry book. And so I'm I have it in the works right now, and it's called Trinkets and uh, excuse me Trinkets and Time Travel, and it's basically m- uh, each poem is uh, a, a, a memory that's triggered by an object. So it could be a seashell. It could be a book. It could be a, a vacation or a moment, something from my life uh, that stirs a memory. And I'm working on this idea of writing narrative poetry. So it's going to be a little different. I, I like to keep my range wide and I like to challenge myself. So um, I'm hoping to work on that. Um, so I'm hoping to do that in the next year so, I, you know, I'm all, I also have a book called um, Gravitational Pull. I have not released that yet. It's it's done and ready to go, but I haven't found the right moment to um, to put that out there yet. And it's uh, it's a themed chapbook based on adoption. I did a lot of research on. Uh, I'm adopted myself. And um, I have family and friends who have experienced adoption. Either they've adopted children or they are adopted. And I also uh, did some interviewing of other um, strangers, people in the world, and found their stories. And so I've kind of put together a book about that. So I've got a lot of irons in the fire right now, especially I'm also writing book two to my fiction book. (laughs) So um, I have a lot of irons in the fire, you could say. I'm doing a lot of writing right now.
3: I love that. Oh. I'm very excited about all your different adventures right now. That sounds awesome. I will definitely keep track of everything. I'm so excited Thank for you. Thank you. Thanks so much. Thank you. I appreciate it. All right. Yes. Thanks so much for Thank calling you. in. All right, Tulane.
1: So, yeah. You shared a lot of information <laughs> about a lot of different things that you're planning I to do. I tend
0: to do that. That's what I, I, I do. That
1: <laughs>
2: I'm a rambler. <laughs>
1: You didn't ramble. You did not ramble one time. Uh,
2: That's the best compliment I've ever
3: received.
1: (laughs) Thank you. Speaking of everything that you shared, Mm -hmm. does writing energize or exhaust you?
0: Oh, my gosh, it energizes me. Um, I would say energize. Have I been tired at the end of a big writing session? Yes. But it's a, it's that good feeling. Like when you work out and you, I don't know if you guys, are, I, I like to work out. I do Pilates. And when I do, you know, you're tired and you don't want to do it, but when you get done, you feel so good. You're exhausted and your legs are wobbly, but you feel good. And that's how I feel when I write poetry. I get, I, I literally, I smile when I write and I get really excited. I, um, I have a writing office finally and um a beautiful writing desk that I love and I just I've surrounded myself with beautiful art and books and inspiration and I just it is just like my world has opened up and blossomed since I started writing seriously and again I just started writing seriously uh, again in 2017 after kind of putting it on hold for so long
1: all right all right you know so much is happening in the world you mentioned that you donate monies to charities in terms Mm -hmm. of working with homelessness am I correct Yeah. What do you view as being the role of a poet in modern day society?
0: Oh, my goodness. Well, if I go back to my original, um, you know, statement that poetry is freeing, then um, I don't know if, I think poets don't have an obligation. It's what's in their heart or what they're called to do. and. You know, some poets are called to write, a, you know, political statements or political poetry or poetry about, um, you know, important causes or um, pain. Uh, you know, I have a friend who just actually put a brand new um, series on Shanilo because she's going through loss. She lost her husband and she is finding um, healing through poetry and uh, um, her series is called goodbyes and it's just really special. Her name's Sherry Wolf and that's on Shanilo. But um, I think that, I think that if you're called to write and you're called to share, that there's a reason for that. And if you feel that if a poet or a writer feels that, I think they have to put it out there. Um, not everyone will agree, but they can. I haven't, you know, I tend to write about nature and personal moments. Um, I do have heavier poems. I do have a poem about homelessness, and I do have a poem about. Um, actually, I wrote a poem that was published. Um, i have to pull it up here. It, but it's from. Uh, it, it was about the it was back in 2017 when the refugees were um, uh, in Syria, then uh, during the war there. I wrote a poem about that that uh, got published in uh, the. Uh, Um, uh, Kingdoms in the Wild was the press that that did that one. But, so, yeah, I mean, I don't write a lot of those, but I have been compelled to write some lately, and especially with the social injustice going on right now, um, I usually stay pretty quiet, and I found myself inspired to write about some of that. So,
1: yeah. All right. Well, let's take a brief break, and we'll be right back.
0: All right, sounds good.
1: back I am Michael Anthony Ingram I'm here with Selene Charles please share another poem.
0: All right um, let's see I think I'll read one that's not or actually this one is in my book <clears throat> It was also published in the Sunlight press and this is one of um, this is one of my favorite poems. It was a moment uh, that really happened when I was taking my youngest daughter to college. And we took a little hike around her campus, and I was following her up the trail. We were almost at the top, and these words just poured in. And um, I just, it swirled around till I got home, and then I wrote this poem. And it's called um, White Blossoms. Um, White Blossoms. When did I look ahead to my daughter, a younger, stronger version of myself? When did she grow from vines of? Sweet autumn clematis, emitting stars as she ascends. I drink in her fragrance like a potion, immortality to lean on, to breathe. And I watch her inhale a piece of sky, a bite of courage amongst tiny morsels of self-awareness, a keenness that once stirred in my womb. Maybe even then she knew who she would be. Maybe even then she felt her sunbeams stretch from fingertips to tree limbs, white blossoms in the wind. Thank you. I love that. Thank
1: you. I really, really do. <laughs> I really, really do. You're very creative, selene Thank you. What, does being, <laughs> what yeah. does being creative mean to you? What does it mean to you to be creative?
0: Um, I guess it means not being afraid to try new things, not being afraid to play you know, um, I always tell my students when they're about, you know, writing for third graders is <laughs> scary. They don't, they don't feel comfortable <laughs> when I tell them we're going to write a poem or, a, or we're going to write a, an essay or something. And so the only way I can I can get them to do it when I follow my own advice is write the worst story, write a terrible poem, write write the worst sentence you can think of. Just get it on the page. Because then you can shape it and you can mold it and you can do something with it, but you can't do anything with a blank page. So I guess creativity is like that. You just have to, you've got to just get it out there, and and then just go and just see what happens. Um, explore and mold and 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 don't be afraid to to change and revise. And I come back to my work a lot. Um, usually I my process is usually to get it out and then put it away for a little bit, go back and mold it, you know, mold it till it's the right shape. And um, that's kind of, I guess that's my process with fictional writing and poetry writing. And I always tell my family, if anything, God forbid happens to me, do not judge my writing by what you find in my journal or in my documents, because I have so many bad stories and bad poems, but, they you know they're going to become something later, but they're still cooking as my as Ken Kenneth Wagner always says they're cooking
1: <laughs> <laughs> you know your voice is very, very soothing, very soothing, oh, so you. when you share your poetry, there's a lilt um, What is the relationship between your speaking voice and your written voice?
0: Oh my goodness um so I think there's some a lot of similarity in the way that I'm quite a talker. <laughs> mm-hmm. And everyone who knows me who is listening right now is probably laughing because I am a rambler. I am a talker. <laughs> I am in a critique group. <laughs> I'm in a critique group every Monday. And um, that's usually the problem is I'm talking too much or I need to. Uh, and I do that in my writing. I tend to over everything in my writing. So a lot of my revision is cutting. <laughs> it's deleting and it's Finding those wonderful strong verbs or words, you know, those concrete nouns that will that will really say what I'm trying to say without all the verbiage. <laughs> and I still struggle with that.
1: Well, all right. Thank you. Please share another poem.
0: Okay, I will do that. Um, how about um, I would love to read. I'd love to read something to you. <laughs> I'm going to share with my husband. This is—I don't usually write love poems—and I wrote a love poem for my husband for Valentine's Day. Um, oh gosh, a few years back, three—I guess maybe three years ago—when I started writing again. And if um, I can, let me see if I can get it up here. It is—I love this poem. It. It's not maybe it's maybe not my best poem, but it's one of my favorites, and it's (laughs) because it just makes me laugh when I read it. But it is a (laughs) love poem, and it's (laughs) if that tells you anything about my relationship. But um, it's called it's called All Weather Tires, and it's a true story. Everything in here is a true story, and it I can still see this day is just clearly in my head. So All Weather Tires, waiting in the cold sunshine, car trunk open, empty, except for the jumper cables, first aid kit, black box of stuff. I leave it at emergency car essentials. I don't really know because the tips of my fingers start purring, cats demanding attention. I drive them further into my pockets. New tires, all weather. See these deep grooves here? He bends over, he uses his hand, touches the carved rubber. I had them sight to improve traction and lengthen the life of the tire. He goes on like a salesman. I can see my breath before my eyes, forming little cloud animals, a bird, half a horse, a buffalo. I shake my head to focus because he's on autopilot now and it's almost time to go. Just a day trip, I will see him by nightfall When he looks at me, finished with his sermon, his personal driving crash course, complete, as if I'd never driven before, and he flashes a smile, sun gleams from behind me, splashing his face with light, a spotlight. He shakes his head. You're the exact picture of what I always wanted. Time stops. My misty buffalo dissipates, and the horse gone wild follows. The cats in my pockets scatter on prowl for a cloudy bird, for suddenly I am warm inside this crisp February morning chill, feeling loved, deeply loved, and quite honestly, safer with my four tires, all weather. Thank you. I always giggle when I
2: read that. Wow. Wow.
0: And that really happened. I was actually going on a road. I was going to go see my daughter at college. Uh, You know, she lived really close. And um, it was a really cold February morning, and uh, he was going over all this information, and I was freezing out there. (laughs) But um, he did say all that, and it was very sweet. And um, this one will always touch my heart.
1: Very nice. They say... They say, I don't know who, who's they, but they say,
2: <laughs> Sorry, out
1: there. <laughs> yeah, there's somebody out there, a group of people, that to see the world with complete honesty, one should look to comedians, artists, and poets. What do you think emerges naturally from your work?
0: Um, oh my gosh, that's a great question. Um, I think for me, one of the things that I, I often I'm told or I hear when I read it is hope. I have a lot of poems that um, might talk about heavier, or sad things, but I hope to end with hope um, or possibility. Um, I think, yeah, I think I'm just going to stick with that. <laughs> I don't know.
1: all right, all right, all right, that. all right. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> Nothing wrong with hope. Nothing <laughs> wrong <Yeah>. with <hope. laughs> We need hope. We need hope. We, we do. do. not really we? We need do. hope. Mm-hmm. Yes. Favor us again with another poem.
0: Okay. Let's see. Um, do you want one from my book? Do you want a funny one? Oh, here's one from a season. I, okay. I do love to write about seasons. And um, I wrote. This one, is, let's see. Oh, I love this one, Rules of Summer. That's a funny one. Um, here's one. This one goes into, I love that idea of putting on or uh, kind of that personification of a season. I love to write about that. And so this is called Slipping into October. Quietly I slip into October's chilly breeze. Pull it gently across suntan shoulders. Await the sunrise show a stunning gold. Surprises under canopies, long-time green. Birch and maple thoughtfully drink the fall, sipping slow to savor each earthly cold, as it will be their last for a long time to come. So I clink my glass to their farewells, bring color to my cold stone fireplace, crimson and persimmon like a breath a fresh renewal. Season's phoenix takes flight, soars gem-stained skies in a dance of silence and the world begins its cocoon. Thank
1: you. Sorry, I forgot to tell you. (laughs) (laughs) No problem. Uh, Again, I'm stunned. Your work is so beautiful.
2: Thank you. Thank you.
0: I have another one I could share that kind of goes with that. It's the same. I like to write about Paul. (laughs) I'll just throw this one in. I'll forget it, and I'll I'll stroll right past it. This is one I just wrote, and I was taking a walk, and I was collecting leaves, and they were literally these big maple leaves, bigger than my head, and I held them out. I was holding them out um, to take a picture of them in my hands, and they looked like a bouquet, and I thought, oh, my gosh, it's like I'm getting married with this bouquet of fall leaves, and so this is the poem that came from that And this is one of my newest poems. I just wrote this maybe two weeks ago. So it's pretty raw, but it's called Autumn Vows. So you have to imagine I'm holding a bouquet of leaves. (laughs) All right. Okay. Here I go. Autumn Vows. I take the autumn to be my final breath in the season, my last display of faith in the movement of time. As the forest soon sleeps, as the jungles fly south, I accept Your cooler embrace, your affection displayed in rich earthly browns, your falling golden rings, your russet-hued wine, I drink to release, your annual potion, gifted and lasting all winter long until death do us part. Thank you.
1: Wow. Thanks. (laughs) (laughs) I'd like to focus on colors collected for a moment, if that's okay. Okay. Sure. Is it available on Amazon? I'm sure it is.
0: It is. It is available, and I just put it up at a reduced price. So it's, um, it is um, under – I basically took $2 off. It's $8.99 right now on Amazon for the holidays.
1: Very nice. Now, a question for you. If you had to convince a friend or colleague to read your book, what might you tell them?
0: I would say that my poetry book is inspired by color, and but it's not just about color. It's about feelings, and it's about moments, and it's about life. Um, it's it's basically I call it poetry inspired by the hues of life, and it's just a way I would love to encourage other people to slow down and notice the world around. And I feel like each of the poems in this book does that. And I also, I kind of pride myself on being an accessible poet. Um, I feel like my poems aren't too long. I feel like they're, um, you know, not simple necessarily, but not too complicated. And I I want to reach every reader. I want for any reader, even if they've never read poetry in their life, to be able to pick up my book, flip it open to a page, and find a poem that they can that they can access, that they can understand, that they can um, feel something. Or maybe even if they don't recognize color the same way I did, maybe it will make them think or inspire them to appreciate color in a way that they feel. So that's what I feel like my book can do.
1: Wow, <laughs> that is an incredible infomercial. <laughs> I'm going to buy the book. <laughs> and I I
0: guess I could add that it's also – <clears throat> my poems in here are uh, award-winning. I won three awards through Shemilo with um my series. So it also has, you know, it has that, too. It has some awards
1: <laughs> that I'm very proud of. <laughs> <laughs> well, what is the measure of success of a poet? What's the measure of success? You
0: know, for me, if when <clears throat> I have the here's one of the compliments that I love. A friend, uh, one of my one of my girlfriends, her husband um, sent me a message, and he said, uh, we, and we grew up together, we're childhood friends, and he said to me, I, don't, I I'm not into reading, and I, I don't read, and I, I mean, he can read, but you can just you know books aren't his thing, and but he said, I read your book. And I loved your poetry. And so mm. that, that, I mean, a poet can appreciate my words and people who I would love for everyone, like I said, to appreciate my words, but that compliment meant a lot to me because that's what I want to do. I want to reach like everyone. Um, a lot of my students have, <laughs> I kept my, you know, I was—I I, I write under a pen name and I, I kind of keep my world separate because I do work with children and I want to protect their identities. And, um, yes. but, um, my principal outed me at a curriculum night a couple years ago, and
2: then <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> found out.
0: <laughs> and so, then a lot of my students—it's really cute. Um, they'll buy my book, and it's you know, it's poems that even my students can appreciate. So, um, I just—I guess that I—I—I I, I forgot your original question because I rambled. See what I did there? No problem. No problem. No problem. You got
2: there. You got there. You got there. Do you That's think?
0: Awesome. <laughs>
1: Do you think that you were meant to be a poet?
0: I do now. I do now because um, when I, I wrote, like I said, when I was younger in high school and they were ridiculous poems, but (laughs) whatever. And then I didn't write for a long time, but it was always in me to write. I was always just so busy. Um, I had my children and I was working and I, in my head and on my computer, I've actually written two other novels and three children's books that I've done nothing with, wow. lost on computers that who knows where they are. And, but I just was so afraid to put myself out there. And that's why I said it was really Kenneth Wagner coming to my class and opening up that world again for me. And then um, I sat as a teacher in my son's karate lessons grading papers. And another mom sat next to me, um, and she's a writer. Her name's Amanda Human, and she started up a conversation with me because she saw me grading papers, and she says, oh, are you a teacher? And we started talking. The interesting thing is that all this poetry had been happening for about, you know, for several years, but I still wasn't doing anything with it. And then I sat next to this wonderful woman, and um about two weeks before that, exactly. In fact, two weeks before that, and not to get religious or freaky on you here, but I yeah, literally kept no having these. These. Um, I just like I told you, I feel like poetry's. And writing is kind of pouring out of me. I literally, it was so heavy, I'm, and I was so scared to put myself out there. I felt that I was too old, or it was too late. And I, and I just prayed about it. I literally prayed about it, and I said, if this is a direction that that you want me to go, send me, you know, open a door, send me a sign, give me some, either a strike some lightning or let the sunshine. I need that <laughs> direction to go. And literally two weeks later, this woman turned to me. And so as we were talking about me being a teacher, I then, of course, said, oh, well, what do you do? And she said, oh, I'm a writer. And what blurted out of my mouth is something I've never said before. And I said, oh, my goodness, I'm a wannabe writer. And she said this to me. She said this to me. This is what turned my world around. She said, then you are one. So I had said I'm a wannabe writer. And she says, no, no. That means you are one. You are a writer. And she's the one that challenged me to write a book to start over. I had told her I had two novels that I hadn't finished, and I just felt stuck. And she said, I want you to write a whole new book. And I don't want you to stop and revise or edit anything until you get to the bloody end. And it's the worst story you've ever written. And then you go back and fix it. And it reminded me of what Kenneth Wagner had told me about my poetry. And so I really just—I have to always—I really want to thank Kenneth Wagner for getting me into poetry, and for Amanda Cuban for getting me into my novel writing. And so that's—that's that's where that all started. I really feel like it—I'm meant to write now because
2: mm-hmm.
0: it was—it was—I'm meant to write now. And I—and you know, some people are going to like what I write, and some people aren't. I have to remind myself. Because, of course, I want everyone to like my writing, and I'm nervous about you know, what people might think, but it is from the heart and it, and i I'm in groups and I've taken classes and i I try to improve my my range and my craft, and I love learning, so hopefully it'll just continue to improve
1: <laughs> Wow How do you follow that?
0: I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe I should <laughs> read to you The Secret of Life. <laughs> I do have a poem about that. <laughs>
1: I love it. I love it. <laughs> okay. Because I'm at a loss for world, so yes, please, please, <laughs> please, please read another poem. <laughs> this
0: is kind of sad. Okay. This is called The Secret to Life from the Back of My Mind, and this one was published in the Dime Show Review, and it's uh, online and in print. Okay. There is always a hum in the back of my mind the dryer clanging a cacophony of notes to a song that should be softer when I remember my grandma's line of laundry flapping in the wind. It was a wist, excuse me, sorry. It was wistful and breezy, linens with, short, with stories stitched into their seams. Always they teased flight in my seven-year-old imagination, tempting me to run through them. The arms of her nightgowns beckoned to meet them on the other side, there in the buttercup field to the north of her land, a blanket of summer, I knew I would find the secret to life. I laugh now, loading the dishwasher, adding its chimes to the chorus of reality. Years later, Grandma Long gone to the other side. I wonder if it's the same chord from before, only louder and banging to capture my attention, to turn the head of this 40-year-old body, moving slower now with temptations at hand's length. I think too much about the laundry and the dishes, the certainty of life that calls upon my absolute focus. I can't stop for childhood memories, games that might push me off course. The whir in my laptop springs to life because I might as well get some work done. My to-do list grows like the buttercups from Grandma's field, still blossom, like the North Star still signals a shift, and I can see the signs as clearly as her rose budded nightgowns swaying in the breeze all those years ago, tempting me to run through them, their tune, a constellation to be deciphered. If only I could hear the melody through the cacophony of the dryer and the dishwasher and the hum of the laptop in the back of my mind. Thank you.
1: Wow. The secret (laughs) of life.
0: The secret of life. I got to get, see, I had to get, I wrote this a while back, uh, not quite 40 anymore, but I I, I wrote this back a while, and this is where I kind of was at this point where I have to go past this. I've got to, like, let the little things go and do the good, important work of writing that I feel compelled to do.
1: What else can I ask you? I don't think anything. I think we've covered a lot, haven't we? We've covered a lot tonight. (laughs) And I'm sure the listening audience Believes it will. We've covered a lot Now this is the very last thing That I'll ask you Because as we close tonight Okay When people hear your work Mm -hmm. I'm sure I know it They usually want more What's next (laughs) to you as a poet?
0: Um, I think Like I said I'm going to work on that narrative I'm going to work on that narrative uh, Fiction piece That I'm really excited about Um, That's That's kind of my work I'm working on, and so we'll see how that goes. I'm gonna work. That's my goal (laughs) is to work on that. That's called trinkets. I already have the name. It's trinkets and time travel. And I just I'm excited. I've written several poems for that already, but um, that's where the bulk of my work is going to be.
1: Wow. Well, I'd like to thank you for sharing your work tonight. Um, Again, I'm stunned and amazed. I had a great time. Hopefully you did. <laughs> I did. <too. laughs> had I had a week.
0: wonderful time. Thank you so okay. much. I appreciate the callers and I appreciate you um having me on the show. And yeah, this is wonderful. I I'm very excited.
1: <laughs> well, thank you. Well, let's call it a night. And okay, I say to my listening good. audience, be safe and be well out and we'll see you next week. Good night, everybody. Right. Good night. You have just listened to the Quintessential Listening Poetry Online Radio Podcast with your host, Dr. Michael Anthony Ingram. Subscribe to our podcast on iTunes, Spotify, or Stitcher. And make sure to catch our next episode.